Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Melanie. Melanie Greenhouch is a mother, a community worker, entrepreneur, public speaker, and author. I, you know, when I decide now for everybody and for you, when I have to write my bio for things, I'm just like, what the hell do I put in here? <laughs> you it's know awkward, what I mean? Isn't it? it is it's... so awkward because you're like, well, I got to tell about myself. Uh, I don't know what to say, but anyway. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, and it's horrendous to hear you say it back. It's just like, no, no, I'm just Mel, right? I just, right. Yes. I just do what I do. I don't really want to yeah yeah I I, I hear you I hear you yeah so Melanie is not afraid to speak on the issues that are taboo confronting and uncomfortable well welcome to the podcast because that's what we always talk about (laughs) she speaks on issues of loss grief the growth that follows and how we can find our way back from surviving to thriving her speaker speaking and media appearances include her signature TEDx talk Let's rethink our approach to grief and loss. Mel is a powerful storyteller as she shares her experiences with raw honesty that helps others understand that the losses we experience and our reactions are part of the whole human experiences. Well, Mel, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, pretty exciting (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm glad. You know, sometimes I get people that are really nervous and I'm like, don't. I, I, you know, I've had people where it's like, it's my first interview. I'm like, I am probably the easiest person to have your first interview with. I'm like, and, cause it's just yeah. a conversation. That's all it is. Yeah, that's right. And I've been, um, yeah, listening to the different episodes and I was like, yeah, this is a chick I want to chat to. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, that's why I always tell people, I'm like, at least listen to one interview before you apply or after you apply, because then you know, you'll understand what to expect, right? Because then I'll have people that I know didn't listen because they're like, what are your questions going to be? I'm like, what questions? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. What questions? I'm supposed to script some questions here, right? That's not how we roll. Anyways, when you applied, (laughs) you talked about decade of disaster, which I'm like, what? So kick us off. Tell us where that decade started, what started it all, and just keep it going. Yeah. So um, like it actually, I'm kind of being kind. Decade of disaster, right? There's an alliteration there and it rolls off the tongue. And I actually use that phrase because it gives me a protection mm-hmm. when I actually talk about what happened. So because for many years, I like I knew the value of telling the story and sharing mm-hmm. the story with people. Um, but I also I found after I did it, I would, you know, obviously feel very, very flat. It was very emotional. So um, I do talk about the decade of disaster. It actually kicked off. It was much longer than that, realistically, because it kicked off when my mum was diagnosed with cancer, uh, breast cancer in 2005. And at the time I had some small kids uh, and I became her carer 
and you know she didn't quite make it to five years and she passed away in 2009 and she was 54 and oh, wow. I, as I yeah like I'm I'm 46 year old woman at the moment and you know each birthday each each circle around the sun I'm like oh my god this is my mum was so young and uh, I've certainly felt that over the years that the you know losing her at, at a very young age but we never missed out on anything um, but she you know we also weren't wealthy right we were coming mm-hmm. from a pretty pretty um you know, kind of, it was poverty, you know, uh, lived in, in uh, housing commission um, in Australia. That's what we call it. And, you know, so she was this massive loss, but it was an anticipated loss. So, you know, that sense that I knew that it was coming yeah. still didn't make it any easier to deal with. Uh, six months later, my 24 year old sister passed away. Wow. And that, yeah, that was really sudden. So that was literally the phone call in the middle of the night, you know, the very early hours of the morning. And uh, she was in a really uh, violent relationship. She had two children. One was age five, one was aged uh, 13, just about to turn 14 months. And I went to them, grabbed them up and brought them home. And, uh, you know, it sounds simple. It was really difficult because it was tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt really um, uh, like I used the word sort of slimy almost because I knew what the end goal was and I had to strategically play the game to 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 get them safe. Yeah. Uh, and I did that. And then there was, you know, like 10 years involved with what we call our care and protection system. And that was intense. Yeah, that's the state having this intervention in your life. Um, and I hated it. Uh, so it, it was just a really difficult time. You know, we kind of cruised through. We were, you know, forming as a family. Uh, the children were amazing. Uh, you know, they became siblings very quickly because they were young. Uh, but there was a lot of issues, you know, with such an un anticipated loss and grief Uh, and then in 2016 when you're thinking surely there could be no more uh, I got a phone call I was at work and it was somebody calling me from the side of the road saying that my house was burning down oh my gosh yeah and uh, and we lost everything Uh, you know in really really cold winter's morning um everybody was okay, everybody was safe, but, um, you know, all of our stuff was gone. What the stuff that really mattered to me was all of the heirlooms, the photos, Mm -hmm. because I was suddenly holding it for my whole family. Um, I had all my mum's things, all my sister's things um, that I was able to get out of her house and all of my childhood. And, you know, the legacy that that was to be passed on to the children. So that was probably the most profound part of that, that grief. Um, and then <laughs> I know and it's, I laugh about it and it's sort of, cause it's quite comedic, right? This is the yeah. whole decade. It's just the years are piling on and I'm really stuck in my grief. I mean, I'm absolutely just breathing. I'm getting up for the kids. Um, it's, I'm, we're not even living for the day. We're living not even for the hour it's literally for the moment and um 
I just happened to go to the doctor one day and, you know, she said, you look really tired. I was there for a sore finger. Um, like, I think it was 14 days later, I was uh, on the operating table having a radical hysterectomy because I'd been diagnosed with endometrial cancer. Wow. Yeah. And it just, it was just like blow after blow after blow. And, you know, at the time, I'm going to be really honest with you, Megan, and say that the, every day there was this question of why me? Mm-hmm. What have I done? You know, and because when someone says to you, oh, you know, uh, people talk about karma, yeah? yeah, and when you're in the depths of something like that, you're just searching your brain going, what what have I done that is so horrific that the universe would need to send me these lessons or this punishment? I really felt like I was being punished. Um, and it was, it was pretty dark. And I know that I can say that with, with you and your listeners and know that, um, you know, that if they've been listening along with you, they will totally understand that you you appreciate that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've been there. And I was like, oh, my God, here's a sister that can talk about it. And, um, you know, I'm still here. And that is through a whole range of grit and determination without a doubt. But it's also about hope and community and, you know, all of those things. But the decade of disaster, um, I now see, you know, so it all sort of, that was the diagnosis was in 2017 and, you know, it's 2022 now and I'm a completely different Mm -hmm. person. I mean, a completely different place. Um, You know, largely I've done a lot of work, you know, the work that I've done with other people in community for decades. um, I actually really got deep with myself and, um, I don't know, just decided to get back in the driver's seat of life. Yeah. yeah. And and the turning point for me was absolutely getting on that TEDx stage and relaying the story with raw honesty um, and then the connection to the audience. There was electricity in the theatre And the response that I got from people afterwards made me realize that was the beginning of understanding the gifts that I was given, Mm -hmm. why I experienced the diversity of losses in such a short space of time, because it was, it's really about expanding the conversation that grief and loss, I mean, we don't even say it correctly, right? It's loss. We experience the loss and then we experience the grief. Right. I'm like, what? You're saying it wrong. It's backwards, you know. Um, but the fact is that it's not just about death and dying. It's about all of the things in our daily lives that we maybe thought we were going to achieve that we didn't quite make it to. It's the friendships that were so intense that we thought they were for life and then they dissipate. Mm-hmm. The, the miscarriages we might have experienced as women, the family that we thought we were going to have that we didn't. Uh, you know, my I had a lot of grief around my journey with motherhood uh, because I was going to be a mum to two kids. 
Yeah. And then suddenly I was a mum to four. And uh, I'm going to be really honest because that's who I am. Uh, I didn't love every moment of it. I really struggled oh, at times. Oh, I feel you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't, I, I say to people all the time, yeah, I wasn't leaving out any Hallmark or Disney moments, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is really hard. Um, and I don't like it. And this is not what I wanted. So, um, you know, like that's sort of the decade of disaster. That's what, what, uh, I, that's what I was given. Yes. Yes. No, I, when you were talking about motherhood and you're like, I didn't love it. And I'm like, Oh, I feel you. <laughs> and I've talked about it on the podcast. I am a mom of four as well. Um, and I was a teen mom and talk about grief. I grieved the adulthood I would never have, you know, like, you know, there's so many, so many adults who have their children in their 20s or 30s some even 40s and 50s like that's some wild because back when I was a kid you really didn't hear about that but it's happening so much nowadays that's right they're, they're down the other end of where you were but I will never know what it's like to be an adult and not be a mom like that'll never be a thing I will be a mom for the rest of my life so I never I had to grieve that adulthood and I have on multiple times throughout my lifetime grieved that that adulthood I never had without children. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 yep. and I had a choice whether I wanted to have my daughter or not. My mom supported, I don't have a people know, I don't have a relationship with my mom. So it's very tumultuous, very bad, toxic relationship anyways. But one of the few things she did really, I give her full credit for, she gave me a choice, right? She didn't yeah. tell me I had yep. to choose a certain way. I was allowed to choose. So I chose my daughter. I have no yeah, I have no regrets. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, have no yeah. like I don't I don't blame her for anything, but still in that decision I had to grieve the fact that I will never be an adult and not be a mom. And and that that's a that is a just a it is a beautiful example of one of the you know, one of the moments of life where we you know, kind of like society says, this is the way that it, this is the path and this is the way it will go. That doesn't mean it's the right path for any of us in particular, but when you suddenly deviate from that and, you know, for you as well, I can imagine you're there, you're, you're, you know, you're parenting, you're having to raise this little person and then looking around in your community, you're like, oh, well, like they're off, you know, drinking and having fun and, yeah. you know, doing all those adolescent, you know, rites of passage. And you're like, woo up, where am I in this? Because, you know, you're having to grow up really quickly. So, I mean, that's a classic example of a type of loss that we just don't talk about. You know, yeah. it's, I, I talk about how as a, as a particularly, um, you know, I've looked into lots of different um I suppose, philosophies around loss and grief and how we manage it. And, um, you know, there are certainly other parts of the world that do it differently. But from a Western perspective, you know, I talk about us being quite illiterate around grief. Mm -hmm. We're scared of it. We think we actually think that if we engage with the pain and the discomfort of grief that we are like, I often talk to people and go, what's the worst thing that you think might happen? And they're really like, I think I'm just going to turn to dust or just melt into the floor and stop existing. And 
I'm like, well, I'm here to tell you, <laughs> you know, you, you will experience pain. You will experience discomfort and you will still be here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the thing is that it doesn't, regardless of who you are, how wealthy you are, what car you drive, what job you have, how much money is in the bank account, um, who your parents are or aren't, where you live, the human experience dictates that along the journey, we are going to experience loss. Mm -hmm. So if we know that, if I could lay out roughly, you know, your life versus my life versus all the lives that come before and after us and say, look, there's going to be some people in your life that pass away. There's going to be some goals and dreams that you don't get. You know, you're going to have a pet that will die. You have a friendship that doesn't work out. You might get divorced. Right. Imagine that. Imagine the loss from that. Like it's happening everywhere. But yeah, you're right. Let's not talk about that. Let's not engage with it. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't we just hide that bit of pain away? And, and at the end of the day, all that means is that we end up trudging through that mud in that moment by ourselves. Yeah. And Ain't no one got time to be alone, right? (laughs) That's so true. And there's so many things that we don't talk about in in society. Uh, And that's part of the, there's many reasons I do this podcast. Um, You know, some of that is, uh, my research interest is prejudice, bias, you know, uh, stereotypes, discrimination, you know, and these things that we don't talk about comes from like, this bias we have about them, right? You know, and and we want to keep it, it's shameful. We feel shamed because society says like, we shouldn't talk about these things. But the more we talk about them, the more it becomes normalized and we can talk about it and it will encourage people to talk about it. And that's what I kind of hope with the podcast is people hear these stories and go, okay, it's okay for me to experience this. It's okay for me to feel this way. It's okay for me to talk about these things, obviously in a safe group of people. I mean, don't, don't be like me. Don't go tell a stranger, like your whole life story. When you first meet, I either get one one or two things is I get the people who are like, I want to be your best friend or I get the people who are like, I ain't going to go the opposite way of this lady. Cause she is out of her mind. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we might be yeah, living very similar lives on different hemispheres. Uh, you know. Yeah. My kids are always going, mom, mom, come on, back away, mm-hmm. back away from the people, back away because they know that inevitably I'm like, you know, how are you today? What's going on? And I energetically, I just kind of tune in. And the next thing you know, we're talking about all the deeper, meaningful stuff. So yeah. People just tell it. me their whole life stories. Like uh, I don't yep. know what yep. kind of energetic level I am I am living yep. on, but strangers yep. will just yep. tell me their whole life stories. <laughs> I I I definitely believe that you must have been um given the gift of and what I call the emotional magnet. Yes. And you know, it's, it's not uh, always I, a good thing though. Uh, uh, <laughs> part part gift heart burden (laughs) hence hence why you know every now and then you just go why do I feel really tired today oh that's right because I just you know I was just like with people right but I 
I, uh, I'm not even going to say secretly. I love it. It's a superpower. And, um, you know, when you manage it well, it's, uh, it's one of life's biggest privileges, right? To be yeah. in a moment with someone uh, when they're vulnerable. And, you know, so my career has definitely been, I've predominantly, uh, I started out life uh, as a youth worker. And oh. I just, yeah, so I worked with young people and um, did a whole lot of stuff in uh, a mixture of frontline work, but also uh, early intervention and prevention. Yeah. So that's where my, that's my jam. I'm like, if we know all this stuff, let's use it to prevent, you know, some of the pain that we do experience. Yeah. We can, we can sort of, we can be on autopilot, right. And just let life kind of happen to us which is what I did during the decade of disaster. Um, so there's certainly no judgment from me on that. Um, but, you know, when the time is right, we also get to, um, you know, get back in the driver's seat. So, you know, I'm always using that analogy of, like, of the Uber, you know, where it's like you get in and you've got to, like you've told them generally where you want to get dropped off, you know, like yeah. oh, I want to go to the city, right? And they're like, yeah, no worries. And they're kind of driving you, but and they'll just use their better judgment, their map, whatever, and they'll guide you there, try to get you there the quickest way. Um, you know, and then I just remember, like, in 2017, at some point, I just was like, uh, can you pull over? Uh, I, I just saw a really nice car in the, in the car, you know, in the um, sales lot, and um, it's got all the safety features I want. It's the right colour. You know, it's full of fuel, and I'm going to go drive it. And that was really important to me because I just took back a little bit of control. It wasn't radical transformation. I, mm -hmm. I call, I actually call BS on all of it. Literally about doing that work, getting to know yourself, bringing awareness to what's really going on. You know, so um, you know that umbrella emotion. Like I walked around for a while and I was quite angry, but I was like, what is that anger? It wasn't. It, it's anger. The top of the shelf is anger, but what lies below it was, you know, uh, whether it's shame, guilt. I felt a mm -hmm. lot of guilt about all of the, you know, the crap that I'd brought into our family unit, particularly for my, um, my partner, because, you know, like it was my family that all died. It was my nephews that had to become, you know, came into our family and became our sons. Um, and I just felt such a tremendous amount of guilt around that, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I felt a lot of shame around not being the mother that I thought I should be, you know, I wasn't, I don't know, I was doing all the things, super, you know, superficially, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling connected or present at times, you know, it yeah. wasn't that I was a zombie, um, you know, and, and a lot of blame, you know, for myself about stuck in that cycle going, you know, why can't you, you know, why can't you get your shit together? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Why you look at everything you have, you know, that very classic, um, those ruminations. Yeah. That mm -hmm. you just, the, and I sort of call it the goofy loop. Right. And I just, it was like a, the record player was just stuck. <laughs> And I, I just get up every day and I'd be like, oh, they're all fed, they're all watered, I'm still alive. Okay, time for bed. Yeah. And you know, but but of course also if you spoke to anybody in the community, they'd be like, What do you mean? 
you were smiling, you were organizing school mm-hmm. fates, you were um, cooking the cupcakes, you were working. I mean, really? What? And it was like dead inside. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I can, so- I, I can relate. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you heard on the episodes that you've listened to, but I had bipolar disorder. So there yeah. are times I've had such severe depressive episodes that I can totally relate to that where like on the outside it looked like I had my shit together and it looked like I was doing everything I needed to but on the inside I was just like I don't care like I don't care I I'm doing these things because I have to do them not because I want to do them and I could really care less about this entire shit show that's going on right now correct and yet it's really I find it really interesting too that you know, that, like, I'm really grateful now for all mm-hmm. of the things that had to be done because they they were the things that helped me go from moment to moment. You they know, made like you get this, out of bed. <laughs> yeah, right. And you're like, oh, you know, that one needs me to sign that form so they can go on the excursion. That one needs this, their lunch made and they need clean clothes. And, you know, I was really, I'm really grateful for what um you know what I had in my life that really did allow me to stay afloat until I was able to come back to myself you know yeah um and you know and I think the the other thing though that I must really express is that it's from my perspective it's never over Mm -hmm. so you know I can have really great you know, uh, periods of time and then all of a sudden for no other reason than, you know, maybe it's that day of the week or I've smelt something that particularly reminds me of a moment or a trauma, yeah. uh, you know, and that, that triggering impact and I'll get that whole rush of, you know, cortisol again and, and you know, all of the neuroscience plays out in my mind and then all of a sudden I'm, you know, as flat as attack. And so, you know, it's almost like I've created, um, you know, a personal sort of a risk management plan, but also a, uh, I suppose that personal management plan about, okay, well, you know, really asking myself, what do I need right now? Mm-hmm. Because in that decade, it was all about denial, buffering, swallowing, just you know just trudging through whereas Mm -hmm. now it's a much more reflective conversation with myself um you know that's interesting Mel what's that about you know really kind of getting into what's going on um yeah and I really appreciate having that skills that skill set um yeah so that's very much I think where my work has led me to so it's kind of mixing that professional world that I you know highly skilled and trained in and and loved it but I also now have really chosen to work specifically more with women and it's that nexus of bringing together the personal and the professional um, which just you know kind of gives you a, a, a really deep and rich kind of platform yeah, yeah. to connect with people from yeah yeah I uh, so I said this 
on um, a recent episode. Well, actually, when we're talking, it aired this week. But when people are hearing your episode, it aired like two-ish weeks ago. Is yep. um, it's it's called my academic journey, and I talk about like literally you know, from high school on up to now, um, you know, like almost 20 years later. And in the the very first part is me ranting about people applying to the podcast and just wanting to talk about their business because it's one of my pet peeves. But anyways, I say in that, usually people start a business or are entrepreneurs or whatever because of something personal that happened to them. So for me, it's about like, I want to hear what personally happened to you, right? And not about your business. But like many times the entrepreneurs that I have on the podcast, and when I was an entrepreneur, it is formed, the reason you start those businesses tend to be most of the time, a personal experience. And what you're talking about right there is like, you have this personal experience, you saw these struggles you had, you went through this transformation for yourself and you're like I want to help other people who might also be struggling with similar things and and that's what I I really love because we all have a most of the time we have a reason behind what we are doing right I have personal reasons why I'm going to grad school and I want a PhD and I plan on being professor someday and a researcher um that's just how it goes right so like we have these personal passions and we just want to share that with other people yeah yeah and and it's and it's that thing you know like I know when like sorry I referenced it before I don't don't know if I finished that story but you know but with the TED talk as an example it was like when so many people came up with their like what the the one part of the idea that they took away into their heart Mm -hmm. and it and it just stuck with them and they were like now I understand why my mum was like this when my dad Mm -hmm. died oh now I understand that this is what like you know I'm on the front line and I'm experiencing these these Mm -hmm. losses yeah and they have to go somewhere right and it was like the power of storytelling and the power of sharing is where you know like you talk about purpose and you know I mean we can get people get so stuck on and they have essential crises right about what is my purpose and I'm like well by the time I'm in my 30s I should know what I want to do with my life and have a purpose no people change that much later in life (laughs) and you know for me I'm just like oh yeah I know what my purpose is my purpose is here to um like you know really honestly uh and tell my story right Mm -hmm. share that and find ways that we can support each other through life because um you know that was probably the most difficult part of that whole journey was during it I felt so alone Mm -hmm. and I just I felt like there was risk in telling people so sometimes I would approach a conversation and I might say something uh you know like um oh like say with the house you would say oh you know um my house burnt down and, you know, and people would just be like, well, how did it burn down? And you'd be like, who actually gives a rat? <laughs> like, right. Why do you care? Way. Yeah. Right. And, and you're just like, and straight away, you know, your, your, um, you know, like my reptilian brain, like that, that, that primitive brain would go unsafe, leave the yep. area. Defense. Right? Defense. Yeah, exactly. And it'd just be like, Oh, 
and then and yet you'd have other people and um you know over the years I sort of found that community of people and there was a, a couple of women in particular and they just understood the power of sitting with me in silence mm-hmm. there, there were no solutions at that point right it was just we just got to just got to plow through you know um and they were the moments that I went I just had a, a hint uh I'm not totally alone in this mm-hmm. and so that for me is very much um that's particularly why I talk about it um and you know and, and I've packaged it up in the decade of disaster right yeah. because it just it makes it more um I don't know. It just makes it a safer space for me to be able to, di- I can dip in and out in a much safer way. It takes a lot less right. energy emotionally. Um, but by the same token, I'm like, this is really important because you need to know that even though we're not talking about it right beside you, there is somebody that will be able to share a story of loss. It won't be the same, right? It's like, it's like our fingerprints, we are all unique. It all occurs in its own way, in its own timeline. There's no formula approach to how you work through it. But the way back to joy, the way back to living without shame, blame or guilt, you know, like for a long time, I was like, why am I the last one left standing? Why am I holding all of this? And can you believe it? I would often lie there at night and I'd be really jealous that in my head, my mum and my sister were together. Yeah. No, right? that makes sense. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh my God, are they up there a little bit like the Muppets? You know, the two guys <laughs> that sit up in and they, they're like judging. The older guys up in the balcony. Yeah. 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 So I was like, oh my God, there's my mom and my sister going, I wouldn't have done it like that. I would have, you know, I would have given them a hug, not turned, you know, put them into timeout or whatever it was going on that day. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, oh my God, I can't believe she didn't cook them the most nutritional meal available on this earth because what? She thinks she's tired? Try being dead. You know what I mean? Like it was... <laughs> oh my god I love this so much yeah right you know this is and this is all this is the goofy loop right this is just boom 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 and it was like that it was just spinning 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 and um you know but you also have to process it yeah Yeah. you have to live with it and uh so very much I'm like if I can share that sort of you know bit of a crazy ass story there um you know and people go oh yeah I've had some weird sort of not the same not the same yeah but I've had some pretty weird stuff going on in my head in my mind and um you know and they go I'm gonna get through it you know I can do some work maybe to try and shift it and ease it um you know, then that that's that's the purpose of my life, right? So right. to serve others along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I love those people that validate your feelings, right? Like your feelings are valid. It's okay for you to feel this way and not judge you. I when I first moved uh to Connecticut, which is a state, I, I mean, 
you're in Australia, so you might not be fully aware of like where the states are in the United States. And that's mm. fine. I don't know where things are in Australia, so it's <laughs> understandable. <laughs> but anyways, um, I moved to Connecticut um, and I had like a full mental break. Like it was bad. It was really bad. And I came across two different types of people, right? I came across one who really held space for me and was like, this is, this is hard. This is, you're going through a really hard thing. It's okay. I'm here for you. And then I had another who was very judgy. And one night when I was crying and I was really upset, she made me call the suicide hotline and stay on the phone with them. Cause she was so like hell bent that I was suicidal. And I was just like, um, I'm pretty sure I would know if I, I have been dealing with this my entire yeah. life. Like since I was in single digits, I've dealt with depression. I'm pretty sure I know if I am, but it, it made a difference, right? Like you talked about that, those people where you just hide back in your cell and you're like, I'm not talking to you. And that's what that one person was that made me call the hotline. The other one who was like, really, you know, validated me and my feelings and was supportive I had that person where I could open up to and I felt comfortable talking about this is my struggles right now. And I'm yep. having a really yep. hard time because I literally just uprooted my entire life and moved to where I knew nobody. And this yep. is somebody I had met through a group. And she's like, I'm like, you want to meet for wine? And she's like, sure. And our friendship was just really fast. And she just held space for me. And yep. the other one was somebody I knew for years that lived here. And I thought like, oh, this is somebody I've known for years, right? I can trust my feelings yeah. with them. And it didn't happen. So I, I just to relate back to what you were saying with those two groups of people, right? Yep. You have that one group where you're like, Mm-mm, back to Michelle, I'm not doing this anymore. And then you have that other group where you're like, oh, my feelings are valid. I'm not alone. Okay. Cause I mean, even though my one friend didn't really have the same experience as I did, I felt less alone because she held that space. That's right. That's right. And, and the thing is that when you have the privilege of sharing space with someone, inevitably you, you're, you are absolutely supporting them, but you're also learning. Mm-hmm. You're learning more about the human experience. You, you tune in, you listen and you hear and see things in ways that you may never have thought of before yeah. because, you know, you live in your own experience and your own upbringing and, you know, all of those things. And they, they do certainly form you. But when you're open to connecting with other humans and supporting each other through, you know, what, yeah, like, like you say, you were experiencing a really difficult time. It's a transition. Mm-hmm. You're settling in you're trying to you know hold hold space for all these children and then you know and it's it's so common right it's so common that the the whole community just goes oh well of course you'll do all of that and just put yourself last Mm -hmm. when in actual fact the when we get more balance in our approach particularly as women um the ripple effect is that we're able to hold that space more in a more present way for the people that we love and that are in our sphere. Yeah. You know, when we're exhausted, when we're pushed to the edge, when we're left neglected, you know, that's when the wheels fall off and the ripple effect of the wheels falling off for the, for a woman who is, you know, a carer, a nurturer, um, you know, often, you know, a financial provider, yeah, you know, doing all of the things that we do, you know, that's risky business. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's often what's really difficult for me is that I just watch a lot of the times when you're in your twenties and you're in your thirties, um, you know, and you're, you're deep in the salt mines with those kids and stuff. And you, it's just inevitable that you just get put to the back of the line and then it's not until a little bit later that you go, ah, oh, this is just exhausting and I need to find a way to care for myself in all of this. Um, and it's not that it's ever too late, but I wish I'd learnt off the skin knees of others. Yeah, I wish that, you know, in sharing these stories, it's really important for anybody out there that's, you know, a bit younger <laughs> than me. Um, you know, and, you know, and... And I'm, I've got this croaky voice and because I have just gone and pushed myself to the limit in the last fortnight and it turns out I'm not 30 anymore. You've got this opportunity to, to learn from, you know, where, where we've been, what we've done, you know, our experiences of motherhood or womanhood or, you know, being in marriages or divorces, whatever the circumstances is that someone's sharing with you you know, there's a real opportunity to go, I'm going to use that information mm-hmm. and just slightly tweak and adjust my life so that, you know, I'm not left neglected. You know, we're yeah. really important as individuals and life short, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like now is the time to to be, hang on, what do I need? You know, and it's not yes. selfish. No, not know, at all. Not at all not at all because the benefits that uh you know roll from that are immense yes and when you in when you invest in it and you see it live out you're like oh I should have been doing that ages ago right right (laughs) but you know and I I do also say everybody is exactly where they they need to be right now yeah so you know that was an important lesson for me to know that during that decade of disaster, you know, I just learned so much about this. And it's now is the time that I get to celebrate that and I get to really feel proud of the fact that I was surviving and now I'm claiming the title of being a survivor. Yeah. So, you know, I've really, that shift, um, it's been gradual you know, at times a lot slower than I would have liked, but, you know, I'm a very impatient woman. Uh, that's just my personality, right? Same, yeah. Uh-uh, what it done yesterday, um, you know, and there's all that perfectionism and high achiever stuff. So, you know, I'm a recovering, I call myself a, I mean, active recovery um, from all of those things, which, uh, you know, live in my mind. But um I'm really enjoying this next phase of my life where I'm claiming that pride and I'm like looking and going, yeah, you're actually pretty kick-ass, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, that that's a pretty special kind of place to be with yourself. Yeah. Yes. Well, Mel, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? You know, I want people to know that blame, shame, and guilt are their valid emotions. They're things that we do experience as we move through life. But the power of shifting that and 
being able to really use it to our benefit is in the sharing of our stories. So it's to keep talking to one another, whether it's over wine and wine you know, <laughs> uh, and a little bit of cheese helps. Um, but, you know, that idea that you are never alone is really, really important to me. And the where that shifts and changes is in the power of our storytelling as women. Yeah, where yeah. um taking taking that superpower and using it to lift each other up is what is what I think is is really, really important. Well, Mel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. And for anybody that's listening and thinking about applying, let me tell you, it was pain-free. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. I think people get really like, really overwhelmed. And I'm like, there's literally like five questions. It is oh, not that yeah. big of a deal. It is yeah, very, no. very brief. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I was listening, I was like, oh my God, Megan is such a diva. How am I going to handle this? You know, <laughs> do I have to send her three you know, buckets of just red Skittles to, to please her. But no, that, that was not the case. That was not the case. No, it's not. I just want to know you have a story and you've listened to the podcast. That's really all I care about. You know? And I get these like people who will fill out and give me like five paragraphs. I'm like, I don't need that. Just, just break it down for me. What yeah. is the story? Yeah. Like, four or five or six paragraphs. It doesn't need to be like five, not paragraph sentences. It doesn't have to yeah. be five paragraphs. Of, I'm like, Gee, just make my life easy, please. Just, that's, that's all yeah, I'm asking yeah. here. <laughs> exactly. I got things I, you know, I need to get done. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.